0: Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever in the world you may find yourself. This is Nicole BZ, and we are doing a Quantum Business Book Club episode. This is the You Know Everything podcast series. Podcast series? Sure. And I like to do a couple different things in here. So I do the Relatables interview series with people who are interweaving everything we're going to talk about today, and I do the Quantum Business Book Club. And if you want to know why, I think time traveling, sharing space and sitting at the table with brilliant minds who may not even be with us any longer qualify as quantum physics and all of the different inspiration points behind titling this, you should listen to some of the first episodes because I talk about it a lot. And I'm doing this for those of you who are diehards and you know why I called it the quantum business book club. I love reading. And these two books shot across my bow very early on in my coaching. My actual coach recommended Gay Hendricks, The Big Leap, which was a New York Times bestseller Kay Hendricks is a fascinating character. He graduated in 1974 with a PhD from Stanford. He is also a professor at the University of Colorado. He's a business consultant, and he's worked with some massive Fortune 100 companies. He co-authored this book with Kate Ludeman, and by this book, what I am talking about is Corporate Mystic. Fascinating title, right? It's what got my attention because I've never heard those two words back to back, and The Big Leap was fascinating. I absolutely loved it. It was exactly what I needed to read while I was transitioning out of the music industry and leaving not just the career that I'd had for the last 20 years behind, but my entire identity, my community, everything I knew, a pretty insane way of working, and was really just starting at the absolute fucking bottom because I was pretty devastated to be leaving. And it was one of those moments I knew I had to do it. You know, I retired. It was absolutely by choice. I'd done everything I wanted to do. It was the end of my journey, (laughs) but I had been white knuckling that experience for a minute and walking away. I I'd been saying since I was 18, no way I'm doing this in five years. You know, I said that obviously at least four different times, but a lot more often than that. And anyone who's worked in the music industry knows (laughs) it's, it's a love hate relationship. And it's a little bit like the mafia. Everybody who is in it very much prides themselves on that. And we refer to ourselves as lifers and there's this sort of us versus them mentality, but because it's a pretty hard place to be healthy within, there are absolutely people who do it. And I had my, I had my phases where I was able to juggle life and work And balance. I also had a lot of periods of extreme burnout where I was working 20 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, touring is not for the faint of heart. And although I absolutely loved it and I basically live on the road now, it took me a long time to be able to find myself to establish my boundaries. I'm going off on a mega tangent, so I'm going to steer it back in. But The Big Leap was a book that was recommended to me as I was taking a big leap. And that's when I familiarized myself with gay. And then I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts. I'm just going to credit Tim Ferriss with it because he's he's my OG for podcasts. And Gay was talking about his latest book, which was actually Conscious Luck. And that kind of tickled my pickle. So I downloaded it, it on Audible. I was probably actually listening to a podcast while I was doing one of my long drives. And so I downloaded it onto Audible and it was a super, super quick. Gay's books are kind of like the Stephen Pressfield's Artist's Journey or The War of Art. You should listen to that podcast episode super quick reads, really inspiring. You can almost turn to any page, kind of depending on what's going on with you and get inspired. I like to think of them almost like oracles in that regard. And so I downloaded Conscious Luck and it just so happened that he had also, or very... Closely to it released The Corporate Mystic. And like I said, this concept kind of blew me away. And so I I purchased the physical copy of The Corporate Mystic. And it's been just one of those books that has traveled with me and traveled hemispheres with me. I always refer back to it. And that's why it's in the first series of the Quantum Business Book Club. I wanted to share with you the books that really, really affected me on my journey as an entrepreneur and multi-business owner and investor and coach. (laughs) And what I like about these books is it just like the relatable series kind of takes the esoteric and puts it into really tangible, practical day-to-day earthly realms. Sometimes, you know, some of the mysticism stuff can feel a little challenging to ground and not very real. And what these books both do is give you tons of case studies and a lot of anecdotal evidence, but anecdotal evidence from Kate and Gay's work coaching And being the executive coach and working with the teams and the leadership teams in companies you might have heard of like Dell Computers, Cisco, eBay, Microsoft, General Electric, Johnson & Johnson, The Gap, Zappos, Sequoia Capital, Cedars-Sinai Medical Center, Etsy, Stephen Covey, who I have to just give a shout out to. Stephen Covey was my OG, wrote the very first personal development book that I read called Seven Habits for Highly Successful People. And really kind of started me on my whole entire motherfucking growth journey. So what up, Stephen? He would not appreciate that language, just for the record. Pretty sure he's a fairly conservative guy. So Gay has written over 40 bucks. Like I think I said, he's PhD, graduated from Stanford. He's, you know, a fairly pedigreed individual. So for him to be writing about something like corporate mysticism really knocked me over. Conscious luck hit me at a time when I was just learning how to take my foot off the fucking pedal and coast. Up until that moment, I had been go, go, going as fast as I fucking could without stopping and without compassion or leniency. So conscious luck, I'm going to start there only because I think it builds beautifully into the into corporate mystic. Both of which are just really practical guides that talk about how these, these C-suite corporate straight 180 leaders were able to integrate some of these practices. And although they might feel a little foo-foo, a little woo-woo, a little make-believe, that's the energy behind the work, my friend. And it is quite literally make-believe. When you believe it, you will make it, not the other way around. Most people are looking for proof. They're looking for the evidence. But the secret, my friend, is the evidence shows up once you believe it to be true. And you can do that in any moment with whatever resources you have. And as incriminating as that can sound to someone who may not be believing that they have the resources and the access and the agency they do in order to make the changes and get the results that they seek, that's a challenge. And I know you're listening to this because you and I share, we're, we're cut from the same cloth. We're standing shoulder to shoulder with each other. And although we might be, you know, our races might be leading us in a slightly different direction or to a slightly different destination, we've both pushed ourselves so fucking hard. We have been relentless in our ambition and our achievement. And we constantly raised the bar to the point where we kind of gave up on ourselves where we felt like i can't fucking jump that high and no matter how high i jump it's never high enough so what's the fucking point (sighs) deep breath bz wow this is i've had to record this one a few times and i can tell i'm on a motherfucking roll now (laughs) i'm sorry not sorry so the reason conscious luck really got me is what gay talks a lot about is time and if you've been paying any attention I spent a lot of this year hacking time and releasing the constraints of this programming because if you are rushing, if you are stressed, if you feel pressure, if you think there's not enough time, I won't get this done in time. If you find yourself always being late or always missing a deadline, you're not in cadence with the universe. And that sounds fucking woo! But what I mean by that is... You know the feeling when everything's going right. I always describe this in session with my clients like when you're running late to that meeting and you've got to hop in your car and you spill like the coffee on you or the tea on your way out and you're like, fuck, 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 but you don't have time to change. And you go to start the car and you realize you've like not barely enough gas and you're like, okay, well, there's nothing we can do about this. We're just going to chance it. And you turn the car on and this is a little old school, I should probably update this example, but your favorite song comes on the radio. Let's just pretend you listen to the radio. Okay. So your favorite song comes on the radio and you start rocking out and you're like, fuck it, whatever. I don't care. It's fine. But as you get to the next stoplight, the light goes green and you're like, oh, okay. And you keep rolling. And then your second favorite song comes on your playlist. We'll update it. And now you're, you're cruising and you look in your rear view mirror and you realize you've got your dry cleaning in the car or you've got a spare shirt from your gym bag, whatever it might be. But you're like, oh shit, I have a spare change of clothes. That's fortuitous. And you hit the next green light and suddenly you look at your clock and you look at the gas and you're like, this might actually be okay. And you look up and you see there's, there's a roadblock, there's an obstacle in the road and you just swerve around it. And it doesn't even occur to you to stress out or get angry and you start cruising and then there's a slow driver. Again, you just move around them. You almost wave to them. You, you legitimately wish them a nice day, even though they're driving like a complete dickhead. <laughs> and you suddenly show up to your meeting with five minutes to spare. And at this point you're full car karaoke this song. You put on your new shirt. You don't care who sees you change. And you cruise into that meeting thinking it's a million bucks. I'm a million bucks. We're going to make a million bucks. And you do. That's what I'm talking about when it feels like everything's coming up you. We've all experienced it. It may have been a while ago. That's what Gay would describe as luck. Others might describe it as flow state. I kind of describe it as cruising. But you can manufacture that experience. You can practice it to the point where you, that's just how you move. And he literally talks about go for a walk and make yourself walk excruciatingly slow, slow that it feels uncomfortable. You feel awkward. Like people are having to pass you and they're kind of like, there's something wrong with this person. You're shuffling your feet. It's like annoyingly slow. Now, try going super fucking fast, like walk so fast. You're like swinging your arms and you are jazzer size walking. What was that chick on the YouTube? Who's like, you know, your hips are swinging to the side and your arms are fucking pumping and it's over exaggerated. (laughs) and You're like frowning. It's not even funny anymore. It's, and like, you think you're getting shin splints. You're going so fast. That's pushing it. Neither of those are the speed at which you move. And you're going to miss whatever it is that might show up as luck. When you're going too fast, when you're pushing too hard, when you are stressing yourself out and hurting yourself, you're going to miss the thing. When you're so worried about what's going to happen or you're so caught up with what already happened, whatever that lucky thing might be, you can't see it because you're not fucking here Right. And when you're going slow, when you're avoiding the thing, when you're being obnoxious, when you're being obstinate, when you're procrastinating, when you're making excuses, when you're distracting yourself, obviously you're gonna miss it too. So then just pick a pace that feels easy, like effortless, like this isn't even exercise. This doesn't even count as moving. You can smell the roses, you can see the flowers, you can hear the birds chirping. And it's just you doing what you do to the point where you almost take it for granted. That's the speed of luck. That means you're going to show up exactly when you're supposed to get there. And you can play with this. I do this all the fucking time. I was running late yesterday for an appointment. I was freaking out because I hate being late. And I called them and I let them know I was going to be late. We're going to talk about integrity a lot in this episode as well. And then I just made a little deal with the universe. And I said, look, everything's going to work out. Even though I'm Literally getting in the car and going when I'm supposed to be there right now They just told me it's fine. I'm gonna trust that And i'm not gonna stress it. I'm not gonna drive fast. I'm not gonna get annoyed I'm not meh. i'm gonna put on a song before I start driving like this isn't i'm not fucking punishing myself here And by the time I got to the place they said, oh It's perfect. We just let the person in front of you go So I waited five ten minutes. I filled out my paperwork, which I had to do as well And it was all perfect timing. You can play with luck And really start practicing how to call in more luck. And so with that, I just kind of wanted to give you what Gay describes as the eight secrets of changing your luck. So if you feel like someone who isn't lucky, well, I mean, firstly, welcome to the motherfucking party, my friend. I've never won anything. But I do have a friend who won the lottery. Well, I had a friend who won the lottery twice. That person blew all their fucking money. Eventually went to jail. And I don't think it is with us any longer. So... You know, be careful what you wish for. That was a little bit dark. Sorry, trigger warning. It gets dark here. <laughs> Conscious luck. Gay breaks it down into a handful of secrets to cultivating the luck in your experience. And if you're anything like me, you might have decided that luck isn't even a thing. Like I always said, I don't believe in it it's preparedness meets opportunity. Well, guess what? (laughs) I'm probably not going to experience a lot of luck. If I don't believe in it, you've got to believe in it to see it. Everyone always looks for the proof. If I'm repeating myself, I can't remember if this was in one of the outtakes. I've recorded this one a few different times. Everyone always wants the proof. They want the evidence. But in order to create something, we have yet to experience you firstly and foremostly. Is that a thing? Foremostly it is now. You have to believe it. Not just think it. Not just hope it. Not just know it. Not just want it. Believe it. Then it shows up. It's very counterintuitive. It is paradoxical. It is the duality in our experience. But believe it. And if you want to be lucky, then believe that you are. And sure. It might not have happened yet, but things will change, my friend, when you choose to believe you're lucky. That's the first secret. Uh, it's one of those lame-ass secrets <laughs> So you're like, why did I read the whole book for this? Well, you don't have to. I just told you. First step to being lucky is believing that you are lucky. That's how you change your luck, right? The second secret is to release any resentment you have around luck. So as an example, I was saying, I don't believe in luck. It's preparedness meets opportunity. That's a famous quote from somewhere. I probably should have figured out who said that before I started quoting them. That's what I'm talking about. If you don't believe in luck, you're not going to be lucky. So this is your opportunity to be lucky by simply believing in it and releasing any resentment or any, they're lucky, not me, any past failures with luck and just drawing that line in the sand and saying from here on out, I embrace luck. I love luck. I am lucky. And I wish everyone were lucky. That was then this is now. So release, dissolve, eliminate any barriers you might have to luck. The third is become a magnet for luck. And how do you do that? you like expect it. And I think that's kind of, you know, when I think about manifestation, manifestation, (laughs) what that is to me is it's normal. Like you just expect it it's not a surprise when the good things start happening or the money starts rolling in or the amazing connections and opportunities start showing up. It's what's supposed to happen. It's not a big deal. It's just normal. And it's not expect like I want it or I'm missing it or I've been waiting for it. It's just, it's like when you show up 15 minutes late and your friends are already so engrossed in whatever it is they're doing, they're just like, Oh, Hey, like, and they just, you start talking. It's like that kind of energy where it's like, yeah, yeah, no, we like you're supposed to be here already. Like, yeah. And, and, and then can we, can we keep going? So by again, declaring and the belief in luck by releasing any resistance to luck and by simply assuming you are lucky, you're going to notice all of the ways in which luck shows up for you. Have luckworthy goals is how Gay describes it. And you'll hear me say this a million different ways in every QBBC book and <laughs> all of the Relatables interviews and every single person who's talking about success and growth and scaling and, you know, enlightenment and ascension, blah, 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 all of it. It's having like a fucking far out amazing goal. The bigger and more bodacious your goals, The luckier you're going to feel when you achieve them. And the further you're stretching yourself, the bigger the leaps that you're taking, the more luckier you're gonna be because, like, you know, you've you've (laughs) you've created a bigger gap to fill, essentially. And there's something about those bold declarations of success and belief that bring in more luck to your experience. Test me let me know how it goes. I say, if it's not, if it doesn't embarrass you dream bigger. And when you start kicking your goals and they're unbelievable, you'll understand how lucky you are, but also how lucky you can be. I remember the first time I kind of looked back at, you know, my five-year plan that I achieved in three years. I've talked about this in a couple episodes as well. And it blew me the fuck away that all you really needed to do was just plan. And by plan, I don't mean like map out every single turn and know all of the details. You just pick a point on the map and you go, that's where I'm going. And I'm going to do it by this date. You get there, how you get there, when you get there, that that's variable. It's usually a hell of a lot sooner than you plan on. But by picking someplace that feels crazy and potentially unachievable, but there, you just might make it work. You open yourself up to experiences and understandings and challenges and therefore opportunities that you could have never predicted. And that's what feels so lucky. Take consistent and bold action. You don't get lucky by sitting on your couch at home. And that obviously goes without saying. A lot of this stuff is like, duh, I could have written this book, but you didn't. (laughs) Gated and I read it and I'm reviewing it for you. And again, you'll hear this in every single, every single success, teacher goal ambitious ceo disruptors tome and how to is just show the fuck up you can't fail if you don't quit right and bold action i don't think ne- means it needs to be like expensive or take a lot of resources i think that's a lot of it the like i don't know i i'm here, feeling like someone out there is like well i can't afford to do that or i can't invest in that and it bold just means try something you haven't done before Try something that feels a little uncomfortable, a little weird, a little not you. Like in the Diamond Cutter, they talk about just one day a week, do something totally out of your ordinary. Keep a day on your calendar to go somewhere completely new, do something new, study something new, whatever it might be. But as long as it is out of your routine, that qualifies. That's bold action. And it might start with just taking a different way to work. That's so obvious and been said a million thousand times. One of these teacher guru people used to tell everyone to take a, a walk backwards around their block just to change your perspective. Now, if you ask me, walking backwards around your block could be a little dangerous. I don't know about you. Maybe you're, maybe you're a little more less clumsy. I ate some food. I took a little break uh, and I ate some food because I had a client. I had to take a client call and the food slows me down. So here we are stumbling over my words. Thank you for your patience. The right place and right time. Now that literally, that I mean, if you were gonna define luck, that kind of is what it feels like, but that's what Gay means when he says, find your pace, find your cadence, learn how you work best. March to the beat of your own drum. This feels like all of the knights in tarot to me. It's like learning to not just understand how you work best, but trust how you work best. And I talk a lot about this as well, but rather than stressing about the thing that hasn't gotten done or pushing yourself and forcing yourself to do the thing you don't want to fucking do, what if you could trust it's all going to get done exactly when it's supposed to? And when you give yourself that space, at least for me, I find... That all of the admin gets done. All of the bills get sent or paid or collected or addressed. And it doesn't happen. I used to have to like make myself do it every Monday morning. That was my routine. Then I started to hate Mondays. That felt like kind of a waste of my life, right? I don't have to go into an office. Why should I get the Sunday scaries? So I've played with a couple different ways of organizing it. And now I'm at the point where it just happens and I know it will happen. And I know what that like desire feels like. And when I tune into it, I'm like, this is my money day. It's going down for real. And it does, and it all gets done. And it's just a different way of working is understanding, not just how you work best, but the energy behind it and harnessing that. And then lastly, just practice radical gratitude. I, Again, cannot repeat this one enough, and you will hear it in every single advisor, mentor, teacher, guru, guides, whatever. Be grateful and not just like say thank you. And I think that's what Gay means when he describes it as radical gratitude. But it's like cry at the sun for being so goddamn beautiful. Stop and thank the people that you're walking past in the street, you know, if you see a police officer, you may have thoughts about the system of police in your country or in the United States, but that one individual who's just doing their dang job trying to keep you safe, uh, it's probably super controversial, but my partner does that. Anytime he sees someone in the service, whether it's a police officer or an EMS worker or a firefighter, that might be redundant, but he always, you know, he sees someone bagging groceries at the grocery store. He thanks them for their service and it's beautiful. And it makes their day. The security guards at the concert. So that's why that one popped into my head, but that's radical gratitude, expressing radical gratitude for yourself, for showing up, for listening to this, for creating the space for your own success and your own growth and, and sitting in the challenges and the discomfort. I mean, that one's probably a little more obvious, but There's so many different ways. I talk about that in the biz boost and the anti-business school. Like every Friday for me is a, a gratitude practice, whether it's being grateful I got through the goddamn week and I give myself a break or I reach out to some people to express gratitude for their support in my business, whether they're clients or contractors or the freaking UPS person there are so many different ways you can practice radical gratitude. And when you are able to recognize all of the ways that you are grateful, you're essentially recognizing all of the ways that you are lucky and that will compound. And suddenly you're filtering your experience for miracles instead of mistakes. That's conscious luck. And now I think that rolls beautifully into the corporate mystic because again, these concepts like When they're broken down, they seem so fucking simple. You know, be consistent. Surround yourself with people who are positive and also seek out luck. I forgot that stuff. That's one of the secrets to conscious luck. (laughs) Is surround yourself with lucky people, which are essentially people who take action, who – love luck who believe in luck who believe they are lucky who move at their own pace who trust their own movement who trust your own movement there's no such thing as being late or catching up everything's happening exactly when it should they practice radical gratitude they call it out when you're doing all of that you're stepping into this this style of leadership that feels like magic i describe it as compelling leadership the type of leader that you want to follow you're like I'll have what they're having. That is how I describe the corporate mystic. So again, corporate mystic immediately followed conscious luck. And it did that because I'd never heard those two terms together. And I think I was at the very beginning of like exploring the mysteries. If you know, you know, and this just kind of like blew my mind that a PhD, the Stanford professor who consulted to Dell and some of the biggest companies in the world. And I say Dell just because it's a computer tech company. If you're not in the United States, you might not be familiar. It's like Microsoft. The idea that some of these leaders, who he quotes in his book and refers to them as this corporate mystic, just, I don't know, I guess I always felt like those two worlds had to be so separate. And in my exploration of old world, old business, and new world, the business revolution, it's just been really interesting to see like how many woos are hiding in the closet. And this book just really helped me see that. And so this isn't like Nobel prize winning material here. This isn't new information. You are well aware of all of this. And if you're listening to this, you probably practice half of it. You probably are a corporate mystic. You cultivate luck in your experience. It's just not something that you might be overtly aware of or necessarily practicing. So just like conscious luck the corporate mystic gives some pretty practical tips. And again, you're doing these. I mean, I'll go through some of the exercises Gay discusses at the end of the book, but it's like breathing exercises, visualization exercises. It's, you know, it's kind of awareness 101. But so there's 12 characteristics he describes as being integral to the 21st century leader. And as I'm reading this book, I'm also grappling with a lot of these. I'll go through them in order and then I'll kind of talk about Them and the manner that gay speaks about them. And I should warn you. So, most of the time when I'm going through these books, I do my best to be really objective. I'm sharing the author's opinion. That feels like a quantum leap for me that I am sitting across the table from someone I've looked up to for decades. Their leadership is palpable, it's impactful, it's changed the world because it's changed so many of us. And I am merely sharing their information with you. This one was a little more challenging only because I've been working so hard to embody this style of leadership, both after having read this book, but even prior to having read this book. So much of this resonates with me. It's almost a little hard for me to present it to you objectively you're going to hear my subjective interpretations of this and most especially because integrity and honesty has been something i've been really holding myself accountable to in this moment i've sort of evolved my definition of truth and if you know me if you've known me for a while you know both my best and worst quality is truth and honesty and you were going to hear it you're going to get it the way that it is but what i've discovered and the diamond cutter actually reminded me of this Truth is only helpful when it's useful. There's obviously no one absolute truth, capital T truth. And information can be used to both help or hinder. And if it's going to be harmful or even like not heard, what's the point in saying it? Now, someone who like processes verbally and always jokes about having no filter, I literally had like right frontal brain (laughs) Removal. I had surgery, and so I'm missing part of that, which is your emotional processing center. And so I like I joke around about it, but what I've really, really been doing with myself and in my experience is honoring integrity. And I told you we'd circle back to this, and this is when not only does Gabe believe there's sort of twelve characteristics, but they kind of fall into three, three main categories. That being integrity, vision. And intuition so we're going to unpack that a little bit because how you show up as a corporate mystic is in those three capacities in- integral visionary and intuitively but the characteristics that define a corporate mystic are absolute honesty radical fairness self-knowledge focus on the contribution non-dogmatic spirituality more done but do less, call forth the best version, an openness to change, laugh a lot, vision and focus, unusual self-discipline, and balance. So we'll get into each of those. And again, this is showing up pretty acutely in my experience right now, I'm working with, I'm, I'm just, I'm playing a much bigger game. I'm, I'm working with some very influential people. I'm in the middle of some massive development projects. I am bringing on new investors and new partnerships in my financial consulting firm. And there's a lot of despairing viewpoints. It's a bunch of big, bold, badass leaders all trying to steer the ship. And at the end of the day, we're all trying to get to the same place, but we have very different ways of doing it. And we're all kind of at a point where we are willing to have a hard conversation in order to achieve the absolute best result, which we haven't done yet. So it takes negotiation, it takes awareness, it takes compassion. And I was going to say concession, but conceding is never a win, win, win. So it's about being willing To continue moving forward without knowing exactly how we're gonna do it, but understanding we're all going to keep pushing until we figure out the very best way of working together. So that's absolute honesty. And that's, as Gay would define it, it's just simply honoring what was said. Of course, we're gonna change our minds. Of course, things are gonna change. The world is gonna change. Plans have to change as a result. But what can happen so often in old business? is that we hold ourselves accountable to something that was agreed upon years ago or even hours ago. And we might become resentful around it, but what can happen more often is we just ignore it. And in terms of being both absolutely honest, which is just honoring what was said, to be radically fair is to acknowledge what was said and to be willing to say, this doesn't feel right anymore. Are we open to discussion? Can we readdress this, reevaluate this? I actually talk with a lot of my new business people, leaders in the business revolution, about acknowledging in any business contract, in any partnership, and any relationship or plan or strategy, we need to bake in regular review times, probably more frequent at the beginning as, as we start to learn to trust each other. Because things are going to change and we need to be able to change. And some people are really fucking freaked out and uncomfortable by it. And as we're just getting to know each other, we should probably be checking in more often so that we can build that language, that trust, that fairness of evaluation. And so gay sort of defines that sort of gay defines fairness is truth and utility. And that's what I was kind of talking about before is that honesty is only helpful when it's useful If it's just your opinion or the way you feel like something needs to get done, you can acknowledge that. That doesn't mean it's the only way. And so there's this both and happening with corporate mystics where they're able to understand what is and what could be. They're holding the vision and the reality, which again, we've talked a lot about on these different podcasts. And then comes into play the third characteristic, which is self-knowledge. And that means you know your own biases, like honesty and integrity are incredibly important to me. And that shows up as consistency in word. So when I hear someone saying something that contradicts what they said earlier, my cackles go up, my alarm bells start ringing. When I hear someone say something that I just know isn't true, they talk about a working relationship or an income target or particular accolades or, or, you know, sort of resume bullet points that I know aren't true. My alarm bells start ringing. Now, here's the thing. (laughs) I am also very aware they could be true from a different angle, from a different perspective. And, you know, if you kind of close one eye and balance on three toes, like, and you lean your head far enough to the right, you can see that. You can see that angle. Okay. I can have an opinion on that. I can get upset by that. How worth it is that? How useful is that to me? that's where my own self knowledge can come up it it doesn't feel <laughs> it doesn't feel expansive it feels contractive that's when i know it's probably more judgmental than it is integral And even though integrity sounds like a positive, judgy and fucking bitchy is not cool. And so that's where my own self-knowledge comes into play. It's emotional intelligence. It's aware of past programmings, old internalized capitalism, your background, your culture, everything that you've learned up until now, all of the things you've experienced as positives or as negatives. If you've done theta healing with me, you know that oftentimes our subconscious can attach to a very negative pattern because it... It essentially brings us positive results. And I don't mean positive as in it feels good, but positive as in it gets us what we want. So when you see people yelling and screaming or making horrible accusations, or every time you try and bring up a problem, they jump down your throat. It gets them what they want. They stay in power. They stay in control. They, they win the fight. And then you, you stop fighting with them. Everybody stops fighting with them. That gets them what they want. That's an old program. It's a bias. Being open to feedback goes hand in hand with understanding your own biases and programs and your own emotional intelligence. That's what will contribute to your self knowledge. So focus on the contribution. All this means is that you're really driven by service, your work, you are passionate about what you do because it, it solves a problem. It's not just about a paycheck. There's nothing wrong with that just for the record, but that's when gay talks about this. I think it's the fourth. Yeah. Fourth characteristic. It's just, you're, you're doing it because it's contributing to something bigger than you. Non-dogmatic spirituality. Again, this is just this idea that the corporate mystic believes in something, (laughs) even if it's just the egregore of the corporation, but there's just, there's an understanding that there's something out there bigger than us. The greater groove, energy source, spirit, the universe, mama earth, science, whatever it is that you want to believe in, but it's, it's a non-dogmatic practice. What Gay suggests is it's a willingness to look beyond the difference. I like that. More done, do less. He gives it, he shares a story about a leader that he was working with who got more done in an hour than Gay said he gets done in two weeks. And it comes from sheer focus and and not even just focus, but presence. And whatever that person does, they are 100% there in that moment until it is taken to completion and i'm not sure i've ever experienced that that's once i once i hack integrity i'm going to work on presence and focus call forth the best version the corporate mystic can see the best in everybody and also elicit that version of them So that they are not only bringing forth the best in themselves in the way that they show up and perform, but the best in everybody around them. They can actually see how this person is going to perform best, even if that person might not have that awareness about themselves. It's about putting the best butts in the right seats. It's about understanding the resources that we have available and how to stretch people in order to create something phenomenal. Openness to change. And I like Gaines' description of this one as well let go of being right. This is where I see a lot of owners struggling, especially when it comes to delegating and team building and hiring and scaling. (sighs) There's this assumption there's one right way and it's their way. And when you're training somebody up, I know I'm not even going to get into it because I talk so much about it in other places, but the point being like, they're going to do it different. That might actually be better. I hate to say it the way somebody else does it might be better than you. (laughs) But so often people can't even see that because it's different from them. Therefore it's interpreted as wrong. Laugh a lot that I think that that's self-explanatory, my friend. And you know, gay does, he gives it another few anecdotal. There's a lot of like anecdotal stories in this, which just means that he tells a lot of, gives a lot of one-off examples for each one of these points based on his work. And this was just like, you know, sometimes the leaders are a little bit fucking weird. (laughs) The things they laugh at or find amusing are not typical, but as long as they're willing to laugh, they have a sense of humor, however strange it might appear to others. That is the sign of a corporate mystic. Unusual self-discipline. I like this because what he's referring to is this, this passion and presence in everything you do. And so it doesn't have to mean like you're in the 4 a.m. club or like you are a marathon runner or whatever it is. It's just that your drive is maybe is on the spectrum. <laughs> like whatever it is that pushes you is unique and different and it's not going to look like everybody else's. So vision and focus. This is like, you know, you see the forest and the trees. It's the ability to map out the destination and write out the directions to get there. So you're, you're like looking at the minutiae of the day-to-day and then also the 20-year plan. And the the corporate mystic sees both at the same time. And then lastly, they're balanced. And you know me, balance is a verb. <laughs> you, you saw that one coming. Ugh, God, I'm like rolling my eyes at myself. And we don't need to talk about balance. That one also goes without saying. But what Gay identifies is, is where they see people struggling the most and cor- and, and leaders and, and even corporate mystics is the balance between intimacy and work, spirituality and community. So I thought that was interesting, mainly because there's three things and it's like how they interweave and because the intimacy and work for the co- corporate mystic can often be intertwined, Right. So I'm going to read a quote because I really liked it. Source where the creativity comes from. This is also where the profits and fun come from. And this is what the Relatable series is all about and kind of everything that I do. I think creativity is magic. I think creativity is spirituality. I think your luck, the miracles, the unplanned but most rewarding experiences in business and also in life come from that creative space which is usually empty it's usually like the void it's the the expanse beyond where you can see it's the unknowing and the uncertainty and it like can feel like dark magic and i think maybe that's why the corporate mystic really appealed to me but in terms of how do we bring this into our day-to-day? Sure, we now understand the 12 characteristics of a corporate mystic, but how do we cultivate mysticism and business? And Gay brings it into three criterion, integrity, vision, and intuition. And so integrity kind of sums up those first few characteristics, absolute honesty, fairness. And really what it's about is is knowing yourself yourself Knowing those whom you will be working with, and being committed. Knowing yourself in this instance in integrity is understanding how will you respond when you're afraid, when you're angry, or when you're grieving. Firstly, don't <laughs> like don't respond. Understand because we all have our knee jerk response. Those are going to be our biggest triggers. I talk about it. Well, I didn't make this up, but in recovery, it's called halt. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. When those things. Interrupt our experience, it will firstly kill your ability to be a corporate mystic. But secondly, we will react. That's how we are hardwired. And without integrity, we don't know ourselves well enough to stop that reaction to pause. And this is where in my own experience I'm having, I've been dialing in integrity to such a of a degree that I'm seeing any place where it's out of alignment where I'm feeling disingenuous or anti-integrous. Ha <laughs> ha, I just made that word up. And it's, I'm wondering, can I keep working with this person? I'm wondering, is this, is this situation, is this project, is this income stream, is this in, integrous? Can I stand in my own self comfortably and happily with this situation? And the, the jury's out on that. I'm also being like vigilant, I think, which is affecting... How I think about this, but these are really, really powerful questions to ask. And when my button is pushed, when I see something that is directly contradicting or conflicting what I interpreted as an honesty or truth or a situation or a story, I know my reaction is going to be like, fuck this, fuck that, fuck you. That's a reaction, it's a judgment. It feels contractive, therefore, it's judgy. So I'm not going to do anything about it until I get to a place of neutrality and then trust and expansion. That's my own self-awareness. Now, working with others, I also know other people process differently than I do. So the corporate mystic excels in three areas, integrity, vision, and intuition. And what I like about creating these three containers is that they are actionable, they are practical, and there are different strategies within which that you can expand your integrity, your vision, and your intuition. Self, others, and follow through. So in terms of integrity, what that means is how well do we know ourselves? How well do we know others? How well can we read other people? How well can we work with other people? What's our EQ, our emotional intelligence? And what is our commitment, our consistency, our follow through? Integrity shows up by creating trust, right? Trust in yourself, trust in what you're saying, trust in what you're doing, faith. And consistency, I believe... I don't actually know. I, I mean, to say consistent or follow through would suggest that gay is interpreting this similarly. That's definitely my bias. Hi, EQ, BZ. In terms of how I interpret integrity. Sorry, that's Rue shaking. She's probably going to show up here. You can't see her if you're on the podcast, but if you're watching the video, you can see. So, how we're responding to our triggers is knowing ourselves, how we are witnessing others and their response how we are honoring this integrity and our agreements and our relationships and how we're following through on it. So anytime we feel like something is out of integrity, we are bringing attention to it. We are bringing awareness to it. Like right now, Rue thinks it's dinner time. I don't think it's dinner time for like another hour. Oh, but she's on mountain time. So I recognize we have an agreement. We have a pattern and I am out of alignment. And so she is bucked up right now and really hungry (laughs) and staring at me, shush, and making noises. So that is integrity. It is recognizing when something is expected, when something has been discussed, when something has been agreed upon, and when that has changed and bringing attention to it immediately. A caveat, not in a state of energetic response though. So I always say, do not discharge in the moment because you're going to bring a lot of that programming and that bias. That's that's your self-awareness showing up right there, is being able to recognize we're out of integrity and this needs to be addressed, perhaps maybe not in this moment. When things feel out of integrity, it's just about acknowledging that, just saying, look, this is what was discussed. This is what was signed off. This was what was planned. These are you know the targets or the deadlines or the dates. And it looks like that's not going to happen or it didn't happen. And I recognize that. I own it. It's not about who fucked up or who did it wrong or whose fault it is. It's just simply about acknowledging the agreement has been broken. That's okay. I mean, it's not good. It's it's just, again, acknowledging the situation as it is. That's taking healthy responsibility according to gay. It's not about who did it. It's not fault. It's not blame. You know me. It's not that level two, fighting not to lose, the binary. It's just recognizing the agreement wasn't met. Expectations were not met. And then asking what can be learned and then what can we do? What I found fascinating about Gay's Assessment as well and and with The Corporate Mystic is responsibility from his perspective is being connected to that creativity, to that source. And not source, you know, like the woos. I actually refer to this energy as creator, you know, me and my creativity. But what I like about this reframe is that it's in the responsibility, it's in the ownership that we can get back to that solution, the profit, the fun, the magic, the miracle, right? The the lot. And this is, I was sort of riffing on this, like, this is how you be the change. And he gives this example in the book, and it's actually his, the co-author, Kate, who will pull out a hundred dollar bill at her leadership summits. And she'll say, who's responsible for this bill? And everybody, the first answer is always you are. You're holding it, and she's like, "Well, I didn't print it. I may not have even earned it. I got it from a bank. I am not an economist. I, I didn't study it. I, I, you know, and so on and so forth." And kind of goes, you know, into it, and, and then says, "Okay, well, so who's responsible for this?" And everybody has a bunch of different ideas and contributes. But in this example that was shared, someone stands up and yells, "I am." And she says, how do we know? And he goes and grabs it. And he said, because I changed the situation. I took the bill and therefore I am doing something with it. And that's what makes me responsible for it. And I thought that was a really cool way of thinking about it. Like it doesn't matter who started it. It doesn't matter who's holding it, who everyone's pointing their finger at. What matters is what's going to happen next and who's going to be the change, who's going to take responsibility so that something can now change and happen. What happens next should probably be based around an agreement. So agreements are how we can sort of measure integrity and that's just simply communicating about expectations, what we expect to happen. You know you're in integrity when you're talking about solutions, acknowledgement, accepting, making a choice and taking action. You are anti-integrity when you're making excuses, when you're ignoring the situation, when you shoot the messenger. Something I always talk about with my clients in terms of their own business and organizational culture is we should celebrate problems. We should bring up the mistakes. When people feel comfortable sharing what's not going well with the understanding that the purpose of that is to then solve this, to anticipate the challenge, to bring it between, but like when it's just a mistake or a hiccup, That's amazing. We can do something with that. When it's a fucking crisis, we're in trouble. And what can happen often in organizations is no one wants to bring up the problem. No one wants to admit the hiccup. No one wants to say this is a wrinkle as opposed to like a huge fucking problem. Because typically they get in trouble for bringing up the problem. It's about blame. And so then they feel defensive. It's about making excuses and passing the buck. That's when you're anti-integrity. If people don't feel safe enough to talk about their problems, that's a problem. If you don't feel like you can have a conversation with somebody that says this isn't going well without them getting defensive or making excuses or flipping the fuck out or even just ignoring it altogether, that's a problem. And that can also show up like firing off a whole barrage of like bullshit where they're just like, well, this is happening and that's happening in my personal life, this and my you know employees, that and the economics and the politics that all of that is just a distraction from the core issue is that this is no longer an integrity. This is no longer an alignment that takes us to the next container, which is vision. So obviously with integrity, we have our eye on a prize. There's an end destination. There is something that we are moving towards because again, if integrity is all about action, choice, acknowledging and solutions, we're moving somewhere. Vision is about intention. It is about balance. It is about wholeness. It is about gratitude. With vision, we're going somewhere. And we're able to balance the logic and the emotion, the home and the work, like the personal life and the and the professional life, the ambition and the enjoyment. With vision, we're holding both and reality and desires, goals, the haves and the have yets. It's interesting. Gay says that is, are and because are anti-vision. <laughs> They are static statements, whereas vision is dynamic. Vision is the challenge of complacency versus discomfort. Complacency is essentially comfort, right? And so it's saying, how can we accept what is while also building what will be? There's no limits in vision. You step outside of the box. There's no container, even though it sounds kind of a container. Vision is where the idea slayers will attack. And so your vision, because it doesn't exist yet, is going to get a whole bunch of people telling you that's not possible because it's, it hasn't happened yet. It's, it, they're not wrong, but they're definitely not right. This is where the futurists play. This is why we need integrity is so that we are continually tuning back into our truth, our knowing, our belief our reality, while also leaning into our vision, which is everything that could be. And that my friend is where intuition comes in and we are rounding, we are rounding third base here. (laughs) So stick with me because it is with those 12 characteristics. It is with integrity. It is with vision that our intuition shows up. And as you know, creativity is, I think the playground for intuition. It relies on integrity and vision. And Gay says, vision is the liberator of intuition, because it is with that sight, with that knowing, with that choice of belief that we can step into the magic, that energy, that frequency of just fucking knowing. And intuition infiltrates everything in business, according to Gay, everything from hiring, from team meetings, from policies, from culture, branding clients, buyers, customers, knowing what to do, when to do it. It is, I'm looking for the book now. Where did I put the book? Okay. Well, that's weird. I don't know what I did with the book. It was just right here, but it's through intuition that We step into a visionary style of leadership, that compelling style of leadership, where you are integrous, where people believe you because you are so consistent, you are so authentic, you are so willing to change and adapt and challenge and lead that it's contagious, it's magnetic, it's undeniable. And it's how we overcome the programming and the bias. It is how we overcome the problems. It is how we are able to see both the details and the big 30,000 foot view. It's according to the corporate mystic, the foundation for that next level of growth. And when our intuition guides us, things happen very quickly. It feels like pure luck. It feels easy. The struggles and the problems and the fear and uncertainty and doubt dissipate. Fear and criticism are anti intuition, they cloud it. And so, you know, kind of going back to that conscious luck, when you feel pressured, when you feel stressed, when you feel like you're moving too fast, take that step back, look back towards that vision. That's another thing that we've heard multiple times in all of these different books is anytime you feel like you've got your nose on the canvas, take a big fucking step back, see the whole damn picture, remind yourself, where am I going? Why am I doing this? What's the point? It's how you can tune back into that vision, and then we can get back into the details. And so there's a couple exercises that Gay talks about. Again, we're very familiar with these. The first one, breathing. He refers to it as centering. I like to think of it as boxed breathing, where you're inhaling to a certain count, holding for that count, exhaling for a certain count, holding for that count. You're going to start with three or four, stretch it to eight. With more practice, you'll have more capacity for that breath. Your body will trust this more and stop panicking at the hold. But if you can do that 10 times, you will be centered, you will be focused, your mind will be free. And from there, you can tap into your intuition. A very practical exercise, which is not dissimilar to a million different things that I've discussed is what he calls facts. Facing the situation, accepting the situation, choosing a different course of action, and then taking that action. (laughs) By tuning into your intuition and asking, okay, what's happening? What happens if this is okay? What might we choose to do next? How can we ensure that we take that action? What you're doing is actually testing your intuition and you're practicing your intuition. The more you lean into that, that that faith, that knowing, that belief, the stronger it's going to get. He talks about an executive who had to take an elevator up 60 flights every day and there was eight different elevators. And so she would play with it and guess which elevator. And at first it was like 50-50, After, I think it was two weeks of doing this, and she's going up and down multiple times a day, so she had ample opportunity to do it, and she started leaning into that trust exercise. She said it was 90% hit rate that she would know where the elevator was going to pick her up. That's testing. That's hypothesizing. That's science. (laughs) So you can do that with your intuition. Play with it. Play with the universe, play with your luck, plan on your luck, bank on that thing you don't know happening, the be- the best outcome you couldn't even predict as being the outcome. So lastly, I just want to say and share Ray's seven radical rules for business success. Here's the freaking book. If you're watching on the video, The Corporate Mystic. And I think this just reinforces everything we've talked about mostly that like none of this is new this is not nobel prize winning material this is not reinventing the wheel this is the same shit in different words but it's going to appeal to all of my corporate refugees who are listening to this who are figuring how the who are asking how the fuck can you do laundry and astral travel at the same time as i talked about with virginia satsuma diaries that was a one of my relatable series or the tech priestess another relatable series this is a senior vp at a massive international tech company earning hundreds of thousands of dollars a year leading a global team in sales and also (laughs) woo a (laughs) f she is these are corporate mystics they are walking the walk they are towing the line and then there's a whole freaking book on it. So these are the seven radical rules. Be honest. Always tell the truth. With yourself, with others, and, and maybe not a truth that you need to get on your tiptoe and close one eye and, you know, bend around a corner and think, well, if I looked at it at this 32 degree angle and the pale moonlight, it appears to be true. Like You know, you know, my friend. Always tell the truth and trust that it's not just your truth. Learn what that feels like. If you say something and it's not useful or helpful, feel into that. Start playing with that. That's all my that's my programming and bias right there. That has a lot to do with what I'm going through in my my life right now. Is I'm holding myself accountable. No more white lies. No more painful truths. I am here to help. I am here to serve. And I'm here to use information in order to expand the situation for everybody involved. There's always a way to share that information in a manner that feels expansive and supportive. That is my truth. And if I don't know how to do that, I don't need to say anything in that moment. I'm not going to react. I'm going to take action. So rule number two, always take 100% responsibility. Pew, pew. (laughs) Not 200%, not responsibility for everything, responsibility for what you are playing a integral role in, my friend, and meet it at 100% of your available level. Rule number three, attend to all agreements and acknowledge if things change, which they will and they should and everything should evolve, simply acknowledge it. Acknowledge this doesn't feel like truth anymore. Acknowledge this doesn't feel integral anymore. Acknowledge I didn't show up at a hundred percent. I didn't take responsibility for that. I am now. That's how you do this rule. Number four, never gossip. A writer that I've recently been following poems and peonies was saying how visionaries don't talk about people. I have a bad habit of talking about people. That is me holding myself 100% responsible, always telling the truth and attending to all agreements. And I'm just not fucking doing it anymore. I'm done with that. Declaring that here. (laughs) Don't gossip. You know, you're gossiping. If it feels gross, if you're talking about something that has anything indirectly to do with you at all, set aside daily creative think time and make it sacred ritualize your space whether that's having, you know, a cup of tea or coffee in the morning and watching the sunrise, whether that's taking 30 minutes before or after your midday break to just be, whether that's getting on socials and, and reading inspirational shit, it doesn't matter what it is, but make it your time, carve it out, own it and ritualize it, make a to-do list. That's rule number six. And you can approach this however you want. Gay says, make a to-do list and update it constantly throughout the day. Put your most dreaded activities first and do them first. I actually find that really helpful. I, I think about it like what's the most important thing I have to do today? And I do that thing first so that if nothing else happens. At least I got that one thing done. If it's a really hard, shitty thing, it might be the only thing that I do. Usually I find it actually like sparks a fire in me. And on the days when I'm feeling just like a complete fucking train wreck, sometimes it's just making my bed and taking a shower. Sometimes it's just getting outside, whatever that, whatever it is, it will make me feel like a human being and then full permission to just go back to bed. Rule number seven, go to the source, not source, the source. So whenever you hear of something that makes you feel uncomfortable, talk to everyone and listen carefully. It's one of the things that the corporate mystic is, Incredibly capable of it's empathic listening, and I didn't go through this whole book. I, I, if you get this book, you can read the, the chapter headings and then the bullet points in the table of contents. Again, I'm showing for anybody watching. It's almost like a bullet point PDF summary of everything you need to know. And what I, what I really wanted to share for you is the definition of a corporate mystic. It exists. It is possible. You can, you know, get your. Your KPIs with your Kundalini. (laughs) If you know, you know. So this was a long one. Thank you for listening. I highly recommend Conscious Luck and The Corporate Mystic, especially if you feel like you're kind of stuck in structure and the masculine and you're wondering how to bring in a little more magic. It, It actually doesn't have to look too fucking woo, my friend. It can look a lot like what you're already doing. And if you're listening to this, I have a feeling you are a natural born corporate mystic and very, very lucky. The books will also always be listed in the show notes. You can find me on all social media at the BZ channel. I think I'm getting everything kicking off on the LinkedIn, on the YouTube. There's all sorts of fun things coming out. I'm really, really cranking it out. I tapped into a whole new frequency and all of my growth and experience this year and I'm currently watching the sunset over the ocean in Newport Beach, California at the mall because now I live at the mall and it's all good. Like I am so fucking grateful for this opportunity to be supporting my mother and I'm also so fucking heartbroken and find myself sobbing multiple times throughout the day. And it's just this unbelievable, you know, holding that vision and the reality, accepting what is and knowing everything is here. And it's amazing. It's, this book has just hit me at all sorts of weird times. And I feel like it's probably going to do the same for you. So I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear your thoughts. Hello at NicoleBZ.com. I would love to know what books I should read. I'm getting towards the end of this particular year in this series. I think I've only got two more books coming out after this. So as we get into 2023, there's going to be a new QBBC series. And I am going to have to read all those books. So I'm thinking about doing this in real time and actually doing this live. So I would love to know what books you want to talk about. And I'm you know, kind of trying to interweave the business and the spiritual as I do. And there's some amazing fucking books out there. And I'm totally open to what books. I will read them for you. (laughs) So so tell me what to read. Ask me whatever questions. I would love to start doing Q&As on this and giving you free information and free advice. That's what this podcast is for, is to make me and the way my brain works and all of the information my one line has obsessed over fully and totally accessible to you in your time, whenever you need. That's why I'm here, my friend, you, you were why I'm here. I would love for you to share this. If you think this might help somebody or inspire somebody or expand someone, I would love to get a rating, even if it's, I am totally open to feedback always and forever. So I would love to know your thoughts where I can improve what I can do better. And I think that's all I got. Thank you so much for being here.